Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds, but also preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. So this past week, Jason gave a great and very timely lesson from the book of James about graduates. And you framed it, if James spoke to graduates. You know, this time of year, we get a lot of uh, guest speakers at ceremonies and universities will bring in some high-profile person. And so you walked us through the book of James uh, and focusing and really looking through the lens of a young person as if James was given a commencement uh, exercise. Now, a lot of those commencement speeches we hear today, and we remember in our own past, were just kind of long and dull, and, <laughs> and you forgot it before you even left the place. But James' words comes from heaven, and they're eternal, and they're what God wants us to know. And they're not wrapped around just the idea of a young person. They're wrapped around all of us. The most practical book in the New Testament is James, and it has so much wisdom in it about just how to live this life. Christianity is great in theory on paper, but how do you live it? And that's where James really brings it to the front. And I really appreciate the thoughts in this lesson as you kind of gave some things for young people to consider and to look at. I want to start off before we uh, kind of look at the lesson itself, but just talk about the pressure that young people go through today. You know, it's it's often said, and, and I think sometimes we may stretch this a little bit too too far, but I think each generation tends to think that their generation is harder than the generation yeah. before. And But there are some things that I hear young people facing today that I know I never faced, right. and, and I don't think my kids faced when they were in school. You know, you and I are a generation apart right there. And when you go to the next generation below us, there has been some changes, and so what would you address about that? Yeah, you know, I have noticed in the lives of my own daughters and in talking with other teenagers, we're blessed with a number of teenagers in our church family, many of them graduating high school seniors. And it seems to me that in 2022, there is even more pressure, first of all, to know exactly what you're going to do for the rest of your life at 17 or 18 years old, even than than I remember. And we've tried to diffuse that in our own girls. I have tried to share, listen, I know plenty of people who thought they knew exactly the way life was going to go at 18, and they've changed their mind six or seven times as to what they want to do. There are days I'm not even sure I know what I want to do when I grow up. Um, but uh, you, you you get the sense that there's a lot of pressure uh, on the part of young people to have it all figured out. And we could speculate as to why that is. But uh, I love how James says, listen, your entire life is a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Get the Lord at the center of it all. Live with this lens. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that, and then let's just start working on doing the next right thing. And so that that's the first thing that comes to my mind. But certainly, I mean, on the front of temptation, temptation is all around us. Temptation is as old as Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden. But the 
means of temptation. Uh, you know, you and I both, Roger, obviously grew up in a world where there were certain things, if we wanted to see them or participate in them, dabble in them, we had to leave our homes, drive to some physical location, pull in a parking lot, walk through a door, and uh, perhaps be surrounded by other human beings where today there are so many things available to us through these little rectangles that glow that we carry around in our pockets. And so we need to make sure that we are helping our young people grow up to use those things with wisdom and integrity. Uh, the other thing, and, and then I'll, I'll ask you uh, the same question. The other thing that stands out to me is I, I, really feel like I can confidently say uh, in in the decades of my own life, I have watched as respect for authority just continues to erode all around us from government officials, police officers, all the way down, I would argue, to Bible class teachers in our Bible class uh, rooms. Uh, we need to be teaching the basics of respect for God given authority to our young people. It's a challenging world. How, what would you add to that? Well, you know, you know, to what you said a while ago, it, it's easy to try to figure out your life right now, to live a lifetime today. Uh, I think for a lot of typical 18-year-olds, if you ask them what they want to do, uh, they want to go home and play video games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, and maybe stop by Taco Bell first, and then go to do video games. And that, you know, they don't have that that wisdom to see down the road enough. And I think society pushes them. I think we make them grow up too fast yeah. in some ways. And uh, you know. I, I love electronics. I live in an electronic world. I use electronics every single day. But sometimes I think that's taken away from some of the innocence of life. Would agree. And, you know, to, to, to have a day where everybody puts their phone down and everybody goes outside and let's just play. I mean, I, you know, you, you don't see that a lot. And, and you see, you see the reflection of that and how homes are built. Um, you know, I grew up and everybody had big yards. Now, now the houses are so close to each other, you can pass a cup of tea between yeah. each other without, without going outside. The and, houses are bigger, but the yards are smaller. And, and the reason is nobody goes outside. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that changes us. I mean, it's harder to see God that way. And, and I think all that, it, it kind of trickles down to where we are today. But but some things, as society has changed and culture has changed and put things more in our face today, some things have never changed. And that is temptation is always there. The devil's always trying to trip us. But God is still on the throne. And those are some lessons that, that I think James brings out in a very powerful way as, as he does this. Um, let's walk through the sermon just a little bit. Why, sure. why don't you give us the highlights of it? Sure. So I, I started just by uh, talking about the season and, of course, how a variety of colleges, universities love to publish every year who they're having. But uh, I, I remarked that four years ago, right around this time, I went back to Proverbs and just spoke about if King Solomon spoke to graduates, what might he say? And we kind of surveyed Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. As you mentioned, James is so very practical in the New Testament. It's often referred to as a kind of book of Proverbs for the New Testament. And it hadn't, I hadn't had long-term plans 
plans of doing something like this until our daily Bible reading schedule has just taken us through the book of James. And I couldn't remember how long it had been when I I found that it was four years ago that we were with Solomon. I thought, well, we've got an entire four-year block of of class high school uh, seniors or college graduates that have grown and gone on. What a great time to kind of revisit this idea. So really in more ways than typical, I just tried to get out of the way. I started in James chapter one early last week in prep, and I just worked my way through. And how could I take major point by major point and just reframe them in the form of a a, a kind of commencement address? What would it be like to be able to hear the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ a man who struggled with even believing whether or not Jesus was who he claimed to be, now give this address. And so, of course, started out where he does by talking about trials. And I think you wanted maybe to dig in a little to that point. I do. You know, you, you know the, the statement from our, our fill-in-the-blank outline here uh, that you provide for us is, trials are a part of life and they can help you grow. And so one of the first questions that have come to my mind as we focus upon the graduates is, how is faith tested as a young person? Yeah, uh, one aspect of a trial would be the testing of my faith. And as we do our best to put ourselves in the shoes of our sons and daughters, maybe who are are going a, a ways away to start a new career or going a ways away to start college, maybe even just across town, there are going to be choices that they must begin to make for themselves. No more is dad or mom going to be knocking on the bedroom door telling them it's time to get up, get ready for uh, Sunday morning assembly. If that alarm is going to be set, they're going to have to be the ones to set it. If they're going to get out of bed on time, if they're going to go assemble with Christians, in many ways for the first time in their lives, they're going to have to make that decision. And you can only do that so many times before you are confronted with, especially when it's inconvenient or I'm being invited to do something else, do I really believe this? Is it worth being in an assembly of Christians? Is it worth going to Wednesday night Bible class? And if I say it's worth it, well, why? That gets down to what do I believe? Do I have, am I personally building a reputation with Jesus? What else would you add? Well, yeah, you know, it begins in late high school, but particularly in a university setting, I think their faith is going to be tested by professors. Yeah, um, the academic world today has no room for God, and that it's not even considered an option. And to have faith is oftentimes ridiculed and mocked by those who are teaching the class. And so the concept of uh, atheistic evolution will be will be pushed very very strongly. Uh, the concepts that come with this that uh, we're all connected together and in the sense that there is nothing beyond us and that even we are part of the animal world. All those things that from the atheistic evolutionary standpoint is heavily heavily pushed. Now for a young college student, first time into listening to this stuff, he's grown up hearing his preacher preach about creation and things. Now he's going to be confronted with these things. 
and the professor is going to be pushing things that are theories, but he'll present it as facts. And there the person has to decide, am I going to believe this professor or I'm going to believe what the word of God has given me that's ageless and timeless and from heaven? For a lot of young people, their faith crashes right there in that classroom. Yeah, I would add to that. I completely agree. And I would add maybe for the first time in your life, you may be faced with a a Genesis 39 sort of situation where someone comes along and in the most blatant way imaginable invites you to do something with them that you know is wrong. You've been taught all your life. That's out of bounds. That's that's transgression. But mom and dad aren't there anymore. Bible class teachers, preachers, elders that you grew up with aren't there anymore. And when someone comes eye to eye, face to face, and alluringly invites you to follow them in, uh, who knows the, 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 the substance of the temptation, but the form of the temptation may be stronger in the days, weeks, months ahead than it's ever been before. And I bring that up because young person or older person, the time to make up your mind as to who you are and whose you are is not when that temptation is standing right in front of you. The the time to make up your mind as to who you are going to be is now before the temptation comes your way. And, you know, what, what a great passage to put on this is Daniel 1 verse 8, where it says Daniel made up his mind yeah. that he would not eat the king's food. You know, you, you got a beer in your hand and it's already opened. Well, do I believe in drinking or not? That's a little bit too late. Yeah. You know, you've got to know that ahead of time. And so to have that conviction and to realize I'm going to be put in an environment where there are people who have no convictions and there to be strong, that's so important. Yeah. Faith will be tested, and particularly when you're away from home for the first time. Another aspect uh, of this good lesson that you brought up was the idea from verse 11 of chapter 1, where it says, For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. And you made the point that your current situation isn't permanent. Right. Uh, what do you mean by that? So it's easy right now here in uh, in rainy May, uh, the grass all around us is just beautifully green, full, lush. That means, Roger, you and I are doing a lot of mowing right now, right? But we trust that exactly what James is describing in verse 11 is going to happen as the year, as the summer goes on, the rain isn't going to be as frequent or as heavy. The ground is going to get a little more baked and as thick as that grass seems right now, it's very naturally going to get really, really spotty and dry and crusty even, right? And, and it's easy. I, I love that analogy that James is bringing out and he ties it to riches, wealth, prestige, power, right? It's easy to think that what I have now, I'm always going to have. What I enjoy now, I'm always going to be able to enjoy. What I'm able to do, I'll always be able to do. We, we, We get the idea, but 
my current situation isn't permanent. I cannot stop time. I cannot freeze myself within time. Riches aren't going to last forever. Neither is poverty. Power isn't going to last forever. Neither is weakness. Prestige and influence, those aren't going to last forever. Neither is obscurity. Even my own physical health, which means... This popular cultural idea that, well, I just need to live in the moment and, you know, just seize today and do whatever it is I want to do today and I'll think about tomorrow later on is not the wise way that James is calling us to lead. He says at the outset of the book, you're going to need wisdom and you should ask God for it. And so young person or older person Live today, appreciate the gifts of today, but realize even what I enjoy today is not going to last forever. Am I preparing for whatever it is that's going to come? Now, now how would you classify that or use that in relationship with God as we think about things not being permanent or are permanent? So maybe I have a really healthy relationship with God because of the home environment, let's say, that I have grown up in. And I have these strong rhythms that have been built into my life. But as I go off to college or uh, move on to a different career, um, those rhythms maybe aren't quite as strong as they once were. And I'm I'm beginning to have to make that choice for myself. Well, just because I grew up in a strong spiritual environment does not mean that I'm on cruise control to heaven. Any more than, okay, if I'm in the backseat of a car that's being well-driven, but that person is no longer in the driver's seat up front, and it's just me in the backseat, well... I'm not equipped to handle the curves in the road, right? And so the time comes that I have to take the steering wheel of my own life. That goes back to the faith that we were talking about earlier. But on the flip side, maybe maybe I am in the far country of sin right now. Maybe I didn't have uh, the spiritual environment as I was growing up that some did. Or maybe I did and I squandered it, right? I, I just, I walked away from faith. Alienation from God doesn't have to be permanent, right? A lot of young people struggle with, well, God is mad at me. I know he's mad at me. He'll forever be mad at me. There's nothing that I can do. I might as well just throw in the spiritual towel. But even that situation isn't permanent. Today is a gift. The time that I have is valuable and I need to use it wisely. And so what I'm hearing is that is that we really control our destiny in that way. In because, many ways. Because, you know, I've known people who flunked out of college, but they went back. And not only did they go back, they got masters and PhDs yeah. and guys who just lost great opportunity at their first jobs. But then they went on and they became very successful in the business world. And so that idea that here I am and these are the cards I'm dealt with and that's life, that's not that way. No. And we've known just throughout history, people came from terrible backgrounds. Everything was against them, but they rose to be great people. 
Uh, if you study the life of Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president, he, he came from humble backgrounds. He was defeated several times, filed bankruptcy once in his life. And you think, well, well, he just was a loser. But then he became one of the greatest presidents of all time. And so that's the idea. And so you'll come across some crossroads and you'll come to some intersections that are hard in life. You'll come across some obstacles. You may have a setback. But don't let that be the end of your story. Don't let that define you, who you are. You'll come over that and do exactly what God wants you to do. And that, that's, a, that's a great lesson for us to remind ourselves of, and that if we make a mistake, we can get up like that prodigal and come home to God as God wants us to. So uh, another thought, another passage you used was in the book of uh, chapter 1 of James and chapter 19 or verse 19 through 21, where we find that wonderful little expression to be slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And your point was talk less and listen more. <laughs> we live in a time where people like their voice to be heard. Now, Jason may have a hard time believing I even know this group, but there's a group called the Neon Trees, okay? (laughs) And they have a song that I love because everybody talks too much. Yes. And as the singer sings, all you hear him sing is talk, talk, talk. People are just talking too much. And James' wisdom is talk less, listen more. Right. Now, who do we listen to? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think you said it perfectly. We live in this era where um, it has never been easier to broadcast far and wide what's on my mind. James's wisdom encourages us to realize, well, just because I can doesn't necessarily mean I should, right? And especially to your question, who should I be listening to? Well, John chapter 10 comes to my mind where Jesus pictures himself as the good shepherd and says, my sheep know my voice. They listen to my voice. It is really easy to convince myself that, well, today I didn't have time to open my Bible and listen to the voice of Jesus until I get that weekly notification from my phone. For me, it comes on Sundays at 9 a.m. Hey, this is how many hours your screen of your phone was on. And as I look at that and how easy it is for me to say, well, I didn't have time for, but then I see how much time I spent, for instance, on my phone, not talking on the phone as much as just scrolling or scanning various things, maybe blasting out into the world what's on my mind. We need to make sure that we are not so distracted in noisy 2022 that we are not consistently hearing the voice of the Good Shepherd. And I'd also add to this that we need to be listening to the people who are going to heaven. Yes. Um, You know, there's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of opinions. And you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. Amen. You don't have to voice your thought about everything you see on social media. Uh, Learning to be quiet is 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 a challenge, but it's also a gift to do those things. And so if I'm serious about heaven, I want to be around people who are also serious about heaven. And I need to see what they're doing. And I need to be listening to them. 
And that right there is a fellowship or a church family, we might say. And so getting involved with them and getting to know these people and getting them in our lives and for a younger person to have an older person in their life, that someone they can look up to beyond just mom and dad. What an honor that is, that someone I can go to and someone can help guide me and and correct me even when I need that. That's just a powerful thing as we consider our journey together with God. I would just add, too, I mean, it's a blessing to have that church family, but we live in such a rich era of so many good things that have been written over centuries. Serious disciples of Jesus Christ. And Roger, you know this just as surely as anybody. Uh, There are old things, decades old, centuries old things that are so much better to read than the latest release at Barnes & Noble or even a religious bookstore. Just because something is new doesn't mean it is as good Good as what is time tested. And I love how you put my name right next to old. That's okay. <laughs> no, That's right. I just know you like to collect old it. things. If it's old, I have it. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. So one other point, we'll pull out the lesson here sure. before we get too long here. But uh, you talked about the war within you is serious. And the idea of winning the war is available to yes, you. Yes, the you, grace. You, the grace you need is there to win the battle. And yes. So what, what, what is this war within? Yeah, so I, I rooted that in chapter 4 and verse 1 where James asks, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And he goes on to give a, a variety of examples of that, but in many ways there is this civil war that's going on inside of each one of us, it is, okay, what I know to be true versus the passions that I feel in the moment, Uh, the, the conscience that Jesus has been working to shape in my heart versus what I'm experiencing behind the wheel of my car or across the cubicles at work. And if I do not take that war seriously, then I'm just going to surrender what I know or what I've been told to what I'm feeling in the moment. And what I'm feeling, acting on what I'm feeling is not always going to be the way of Christ. And so he explains several very serious ways that can affect us, lead us even into sin. But I love that he's not even through with his thought in that context before he assures us, but God gives more grace. And so there is the idea, the war is real, but the grace that I need to win that war is available. And we've we've expressed this in other podcasts, this battle within us between the head and the heart. The head knows. It's, It's a matter of facts. Here's what God says, but my heart wants me to do this. And sometimes the head and heart are pulling different directions. Do we, do we listen to what we know or do we go by what we feel? And if the head wins, we win the battle. And that's, that's the idea. That's why we get the word of God in our lives. And that's why it becomes such an important part of our lives. Uh, in this James 4 section, draw near to God. Draw, and he will draw near to you. Well, how do you get closer to God? Well, you're doing what God wants you to do. You're pleasing him. You're worshiping him. You're putting his word into your heart and your life. Those are ways that we get closer and closer to God. And as we do that, 
this war becomes more and more obvious who's going to win. And it will win on God's side if you follow God and get closer to him. Absolutely. All right. I appreciate you revisiting that with me, walking through it. That lesson is freely available at charlestownroad.org. You may know someone who could use that material, and we would love for it to be helpful for you. Roger, of course, this evening, 7 o'clock p.m., we have Bible classes for all ages. You're going to be teaching in the auditorium. We're doing our series this month on honoring God from the book of Proverbs. And so we're going to continue by looking at this concept of how the book of Proverbs shows us a lifestyle that honors God. And we would really welcome you to come and be with us. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we're exploring who were the apostles. And tonight we'll talk about how they were ambassadors for Christ. What does that mean and what sort of a blessing is that for us? Lord willing, this Sunday morning, I've got the privilege of preaching and I'm actually going to set the stage for our Vacation Bible school that is very quickly approaching in mid-June. For our children, we're going to be framing the entire thing as trust and obey, and we're going to look at some life lessons we can learn from trees in the Bible. And so we're going to be setting the stage for that, beginning to spread the word about that. We would love to have you come and learn about trusting and obeying at 9.30 a.m. Roger, what about at 5 o'clock? We're going to be looking at a lesson I'm going to call, I Came to Give You Life. And that's, that's from John 10 about Jesus. And in this, we want to go into the lesson and unfold some discussions about the topic of abortion. This is a very hot topic right now, pro-choice, pro-life, does it matter, it's up to each individual person. And so uh, as we talk about life as it's viewed from heaven, that's what we're going to look at. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We're looking forward to tonight, 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. 